I'd like to take this opportunity to thank Snowbird Outfitters for giving me a reason to get up and put on makeup and get dressed. So thank you very much. <laughs> we're really sad that we're not going to get to meet with you ladies next weekend, but um, we're really thankful for technology and how the Lord has allowed all of us to learn how to use it besides Facebook. Um, Zoom meetings and technology and online information has just grown exponentially over the course of the past month and a half, and I'm thankful that we can take advantage of that. So this morning, I want to take a minute and I want to just share with you guys out of God's Word. I want to encourage you with the Lord's been um, wrestling in my heart over this past month and a half, and I want to just start in God's Word in John chapter um, 16, uh, verse 25. We have a very famous passage where Jesus is telling his disciples that he's overcome the world, that we're going to have trials, but that he's overcome the world. But I want to give us a little context for that. As we've just walked through Easter, we know that Jesus is preparing to go to the cross, and we see here in verse 25 of John chapter 16, he says, he's talking to his disciples, he's having a dialogue about that he's leaving, but that he's going to come back. And he says, I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. And that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you because you've loved me, and I have believed that I have come from God, and I came from the Father, and I have come into the world, and now I'm leaving the world and going to the Father. And his disciples said, Ah, oh, now you're speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. And Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming indeed, and it has come when you will be scattered, each of you to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I'm not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, because I've overcome the world. So we have this dialogue between the disciples, and they don't understand everything. We get this great opportunity to look back in retrospect, as he is literally speaking in the present um, he's talking about a present tense activity, but he's speaking in past tense. He says, I've already overcome the world. And we know in, a, in, a, in the course of the next week, he's going to walk to Calvary. And we see him um, discussing this idea that they're going to be scattered. We know that they run and they hide and then he dies on the cross and they literally go into a form of quarantine, obviously not for a sickness, but because they're terrified. They're afraid that they're going to be killed because they've walked with Christ. And they are holed up for a long time until they're waiting for the Holy Spirit to come to them. So we get this really cool picture of a time where the disciples literally are stuck in a holding pattern, waiting. And can you guys just imagine for a second, what are they doing in that moment where they're in their house, they're hiding, they don't want anybody to know where they are, and they're sitting there saying, what did Jesus say? Do you remember what he said before he walked to Calvary? Like they're literally trying to recall every word because they needed that hope. Wow, what an amazing thought for me as I am walking through this time where I'm you know, literally asking the Lord to remind me of his promises um, every morning, getting up and thinking um, briefly like, Lord, what do you want to do in my heart today? What did you say about anger, anxiety, grief? I think um, in my mind growing up, whether um, by a mixed theology or maybe I just mixed it up in my own mind, but that somehow that we, get, we would get to escape trouble, like tri tribulations and things like that would not happen to believers, um, that we would get pulled out of that. Um, it's probably just something I mixed up in my mind. Maybe it's a 
American ideology that kind of seeps in, um, even into my own theology, where I think that I'm above um, being persecuted or have trials in my life. I know that we talk about that a lot in our churches, that we may not have trials like the church in China or whatever, but we are going to go through tribulation. Jesus says it. He tells us you're going to have trials. But whatever your ideas are on American trials or trials in the world in general, what we have to guard against is the idea of prosperity, gospel teaching seeping into our thought process, our worldview, our biblical worldview. And what I mean by a prosperity gospel is a lot of you, if, if I ask you, anybody in my friend group, do you believe in the prosperity gospel or how do you feel about it? It would immediately, you would be offended or you would be kind of angry or talk about like, no, 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 I do not believe in this. But here's the definition of prosperity gospel. It's an idea that we want God to fix all of our symptoms of living in a fallen world. We want him to deal with our health, our wealth, our uh, prosperity, we want all those things to be okay, right? That's a prosperity gospel teaching that if I just pray hard enough, if I just trust hard enough, that God's going to make me better and wealthy and he's going to care for all of my outward issues, okay? Well, what we have to be careful of in this moment is that we don't slip into the mindset that we just want God to fix the outward symptoms that right now we're experiencing. Go back to this verse where we see he says, do you now believe? In verse 33, he said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Think about the next week when he goes into um, Jerusalem and he is on his donkey and he's riding in and they are screaming, Hosanna, Hosanna. And they're so excited because um, they think he's going to overthrow the Romans. They think he is going to get rid of the symptoms of their confinement under this rule. But he doesn't want to come get rid of the symptoms. He's there to eradicate the disease that is the heart and the sickness that they are all experiencing. Roman, Jew, Greek, Gentile, all of them are dealing with and they don't recognize it because they just want their symptoms to be gone. So right now, um, as we are all kind of thinking introspectively in our own hearts and minds, um, we need to take a second. We need to stop and we need to think about what God wants to work on in our hearts. What are we putting in like a prosperity mindset where we just want to um, go back to work? We want to go. We want to do. We want to see people. We want to be able to make money. We want to be able to spend money. But God is wanting to deal with each of us in a deeper way down in our hearts in the depths that maybe we still don't recognize as a problem because we're too focused on our external circumstances, okay? I want you to think about a time in your life when you went through um, a trial, like what we're going through right now. Maybe it is harder for some of you. Oh my goodness, on Facebook I've seen we're in a storm or we're not all in the same storm or we're in a boat or we're not all in the same boat or we're in a, people are all trying to find the, the right words for what we're experiencing. But think about a time in your life where you've been in a trial or grief and you were overcome by emotions that you did not even know were there, okay? But we are so focused on our external circumstances that we can't realize the deeper meanings, the deeper things that God is wanting to deal with in our life. Sometimes we don't even know we have these issues, these deep-seated things that are in our hearts and in our minds that are there and they're hidden. And it's the trials and the tribulations that expose these things. Brody, um, one of the pastors of, our, of Snowbird and of Red Oak, our church, is teaching out of Romans right now. And we went through Romans 8 
1 through 11. And Romans 8, 1, he talked about that the Bible says there is now therefore no condemnation for those that are in Christ. So right now I'm speaking to those of you that are believers watching this. You're not under condemnation, but he does say there will be trials. Think about the Chinese church and what they deal with on a regular basis. And we are getting to enter into that with them in a small, seriously still a small, small way. But we're not under condemnation. But how are we going to deal with the trials that come up in our lives? Um, this is not a punishment, right? We've heard people talk about that. But rather, it's a revelation of idols. God is wanting to reveal idols that we're still clinging to. So what I want to do is take a second and tell you about a couple of those idols. Tim Keller wrote in one of his books about four idols that kind of come up in us as we struggle and wrestle with the Lord. And this is believers, right? We struggle with the um, idol of power and control, approval and comfort. Okay. So when all this started, you know, you might, I'm a, I'm a believer. I'm strong in the Lord. I'm not worried. I'm trusting the Lord. You know, whether I live is for Christ to die is gain. And that was like the first two or three weeks. Right. But then as we go in this process, the longer this drags out, we have to just stop for a second. Little was talking about in her message that, um, busyness robs us of memories and time with the Lord because we just busy ourselves and we need to just take a second and stop. I'm busy. I know a lot of people are talking about, oh, I've got time to, you know, exposit scripture and uh, do all the Bible studies. But you guys know, especially if you have young kids or you are a teacher and you're having to teach from home, it's harder now for a lot of you than it was before. Um, I'm busy because I'm parenting, I'm cooking, I'm schooling, I'm discipling, I'm planning, I'm maintaining. I don't have time a lot of days to sit at the feet of Jesus, but that's exactly where we need to be. So what I want to do is take a second and just challenge you with those idols, the idols that come up in our hearts and our minds as we walk further through this trial. The the Obviously, we've all been stripped of our power idol, but some of us are still bucking against that. What about our control idol? Boy, that's one that's super convicting. Um, approval. We want people to approve of what we're doing, and now nobody can even see us. <laughs> so it's like, hey, I'm here. I know we have a lot of people on TikTok and a lot of people on social media, like just trying to, because we have a desire for people to like us and approve of us. And comfort. Comfort's a big idol where we want all of our things the way we like them. And what happens when those are just one by one, those are taken away, and you see anger and lust and anxiety and despair raises up in us. And maybe it wouldn't have come if we hadn't been going through a trial like this. So what I want you to do is I want you to ask yourselves a couple of questions. Are you subconsciously buying into a prosperity gospel mindset? Are you um, wanting the Lord to just take away the symptoms? Do we just want to get back to A, B, or C? Um, because if that's your mindset, you need to ask the Lord to show you what does he want to remove from you that you're holding on to. Um, number two, what is Jesus wanting to do in your heart and mind? Um, so are you entering a prosperity gospel mindset by just wanting your symptoms gone? And number two, what does Jesus want to eradicate in your heart still? Literally. Okay, moms, teachers, women, ladies, single, married, take a whiteboard. If nothing else, I have a stainless steel fridge. So I take a white wipe on wipe off marker and I'm going to write on my fridge. I am struggling with and, and fill in your blank. Today I'm struggling with anger. It might be different tomorrow. I'm struggling with, I can't be around my kids anymore. I found myself girls. Oh my goodness. My boys come in the house and I'll go outside. I tell Sean, I'm sitting at the beach, which is my chair in the backyard. <laughs> 
because it's just been so much of them being around. So I'm struggling with this and put it before the feet of Jesus. Allow the Lord to work through whatever is going on in your heart and life. So just as a personal testimony, before this virus and all that, I was already in a struggle. I was already in a... um, a a place where I was wrestling with the Lord over some things. And some of you guys might can relate to that. So then we enter into this situation. One of the struggles that we were having as a family is our kids, like praying about what to do about their school and where they should go. So we actually had prayed and felt a peace about putting one of our children in school, like public school. And so we've always homeschooled. Most of you guys know that. And we put that child in school. Okay, so now the Lord has brought that child home again. (laughs) And I thought, oh, I'm so good. I've dealt with this struggle and wrestled with this. But now he's back. And now we're working through some of those old struggles that we were having way back in the fall. And I'm having to take a second and, and, and being super convicted over the fact that maybe there's something else that God really wanted to work in my heart about. So taking a moment and just asking the Lord... Um, what does he want to teach me? Okay, so it's very convicting, and it helps me to be introspective about what the Lord wants to teach me during this time, especially especially for Christian people, that you're not panicked and you trust the Lord with the big stuff, but there's something that God wants to work on in the depths of your heart. So in closing, what I want to do is just remind you to ask the Lord, what idol are you still clinging to? I got to st- studied for the retreat, the women's retreat. Um, I was studying about the uh, women at the well. I actually took a little bit of a rabbit trail. You know how I am. <laughs> so I took a rabbit trail and looked at all the women in the Bible that Jesus spoke to. And there's a lot, actually. Um, and we see kind of in a contrast that Jesus, like, really rebukes hard um, the Pharisees, you know, calling them a brood of vipers and snakes and throwing in the money at the, at the temple. And we see this harsh side. And then Peter telling him, get behind me, Satan. So what I did is kind of took a rabbit trail to see because I was studying the woman at the well. And Jesus is so kind to her. And he takes a minute and he's, you know, he calls her out on her sin. So he's not just excusing the fact that um, she has five husbands and the one she's living with now is not her husband, but he gently talks to her and he doesn't bring it back and just browbeat her with the sin, but he does bring it to her attention. And then he moves on and he says, but I am he, I'm here to comfort you. And I looked at all the women in the Bible because I wanted to know, like, how does Jesus talk to women? It's really interesting because with the woman caught in adultery, how kind he is to her, um, where he gives her this grace, where he just says, go and sin no more. And we see um, interactions with Mary and Martha. And that was the one that kind of stuck out to me of all the women in the Bible. He talks to Mary and Martha and Mary for sure chose the right portion. Do you remember the story where uh, Mary's trying to uh, sit at Jesus's feet and Martha's so frustrated because she wants um, Mary's help in the kitchen and she's busy and she's serving. And the one thing that came to my mind is that it's interesting that the one lady that Jesus for sure tells to chill out is working her best to serve him and work so hard for him. And he says, hey, Mary's chosen the better portion. So I would like to challenge you guys today in your busyness, you know, put down social media for a minute. Um, Pick up your Bible and ask the Lord to show you, are you so busy trying to serve and do and be that you're missing the feet of Jesus during this time? And so in closing, what I want to end with is Philippians 3, verses 7 through 11. But whatever gain I had, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things 
and I count them rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and I may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection of the dead. And I just pray that for you ladies right now, that if anything that you will um, put your mind on things above and stop focusing on those circumstantial things that are coming up. I know they're big things. A lot of you are really worried. Your husbands are out of work. Things are hard right now. But you know what? Jesus wants to do a lot more in your heart and your mind than fix your bank account and fix your social situation. And don't miss the opportunity by putting this in a category of prosperity gospel. Ladies, go deep with the Lord. Even if it's, Mom, you're, you can't even find your Bible we've joked about. But right now, you need to find it. And you need to at least have one scripture right on your fridge. Lord, I'm struggling today with and give it to him and ask him to meet you where you are because he will. He says we get to enter in his sufferings with him. So be encouraged. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys maybe in the fall, Lord willing. So we'll see you guys later.